Welcome to Trekking Awesome. I am Jason. And I am Libby. Well, uh, it's been a little bit since we sat down. I know we say that at the beginning of every episode now because we just take so long to I get, know. I feel get like to a new we, episode. We, we haven't been hitting our two week. I think we've been pretty close though. Like maybe it's been every three weeks or something. So I, I think it's been closer to like at least once a month right now. We're like really? monthly, but it's just like which week of the month it's going to fall on. I know. It's like, you know, eh, you just summer never know. Is, summer is a slower season for me so hopefully it will mean that yeah it will maybe mean we'll get caught up we'll yeah. see i mean you are going to be gone for like three weeks this summer so it's going to be kind of in july that's not a real month that's the month i was born what oh yeah oops <laughs> <laughs> i kid well <laughs> so you really were born in july <laughs> yeah no i know i know it's just a joke um, so yeah, what's been what's been going on lately with Star Trek and and whatnot? We we've been we it's been so long, so I it took us a little while to figure out where we were on our cycle, and we just we looped back around to Enterprise, and which I'm still in the midst of powering through, by the way. So like I'm actually not. This is the only well, aside from I guess Discovery, this is the only series in Star Trek that I'm not like intimately familiar with. Yeah, um, and I don't I don't just mean like. I, I do like having that air of being able to look down my nose at you. Yeah. On this well, one. because okay, so okay, so to be fair, because first of all, I tried watching Enterprise like I don't even know six years ago or something, and I I just I, I couldn't do it. The introduction, the music was so bad. Yeah. Um, and so off-putting that I just like couldn't get through. Um, no, I'm with you. It took me, it took me a little while to sit down and actually watch it. Kind of like with Deep Space Nine. It took me. Yeah. Like I really I had to focus. On, well, Deep Space Nine was. I love, I love Deep Space. Oh no! See, for me, like Deep Space Nine was one of those. Like it took me about six, <clears throat> maybe t- actually. I don't think I actually really appreciated Deep Space Nine until well into almost into season two. But like with this mm-hmm. one, really? with, I didn't. I didn't like the very yeah. first episode of Deep Space Nine, and then after that, I really liked it. Yeah, it really just it. It took me a while to get into Deep Space Nine, but with this one, with Enterprise. It was one of those, like, you're right. Like, whenever it was on TV, I I was, like, I was really excited whenever it was about to premiere. And I remember watching, like, the first, like, two episodes and just, like, okay, well, I'm done with Star Trek forever. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, like, it was What was, was so it about bad. the early knots that people felt the need to go back and, like, come up with origin stories? I well, mean, it's the was same like thing that's happening right now. I, like, well, look at look at cinema. Like, everything has an origin story. Well, no, but I'm saying, I mean, remember the early knots and how it was Star Wars had their origin story. Oh, yeah. Unless we forget. Um, and then Spider-Man had that, like, the, the origin yeah, story of yeah. Spider-Man. And, I mean, there's a whole host of them. Well, it's like you can't tell... Well, it's, it's, you can't tell a comic book story, like an in defense of Spider-Man. I know this is like, I actually well like off. Spider-Man, yeah. Yeah, I know, like, the first two were good. Uh, let's just... <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. But anyway, but just you can't tell, like, any superhero story without getting into the origin story, you know? Like, you if don't you're have gonna... to make a whole movie about it, though. Yeah. I mean, I think that was kind of the problem that I had with... 
I get I get wanting to like tell the origin story, but what the hell happened to montages? Like yeah. there was a time. I mean, Rocky is an origin story, but you don't think of it as an origin story because you get the. 20 well, I mean, it's the story of Rocky, though. It's not an origin story. Rocky was like like if you went back. I know, and but I'm saying like the whole point of Rocky is that you get the origin of this like whatever boxer, and yeah. and in that sh- in that show or in that movie rather. Um, like his origin in quotations is like a fifteen minute or whatever ten minute montage. Yeah, but Rocky. That, that whenever whenever everything. the Rocky movie came out, though, Rocky wasn't an established character. I understand what you're saying. And so, like in the early knots, there was that there was that drive. I can't explain what that drive was to go back and tell the beginning story of Star Trek or what have you, or, Wars. or Star Wars or any of the other. Um, you know, established stories that we wanted to go back and explore the beginnings of, the origins of. But, you know, I mean, the fact is that they did it, and some, there were some successes, and there was a lot of failures. I felt like at the time this was a failure, but I feel like after we've gone back and watched it a bit, there are some good nuggets there that you can really, like, you can really mine some gold out of this, and, and like, if they were to try it again, I feel that they could make a, like... Like with Discovery, like I I haven't given Discovery the watch. I only watched the first episode of it, but I feel like after reading some reviews from some sources that I really trust, that they were able to like take and expound on the nuggets that st- like the, those little seeds that started growing in Enterprise. Well, but my problem with Enterprise and with Discovery really is that they they is the term retcon is that the right term? Um, depends on how you're about to use it. Where they, like, everything gets just totally messed up. The timelines are just... Oh, yeah, where they just, like, totally reboot everything. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things where, like... Kind of like how X-Men 3, or no, what was it? Um, X-Men Days of Future Past, like, retconned all of X-Men. Yeah, and I I don't know, like, what's the point of that, you know? I mean, why does... Anyway, so, I mean, I guess guess that's my big beef with it, is that it's, like, you know, Discovery does it to... From what I've seen, Discovery does it to quite a large extent. Yeah. Um, and also, like, what's with the camera flashes? Whatever. J.J. Um, Abrams, Jabri- Yeah, yeah, J.J. Abrams. Gotta love the lens Yeah, later. can I just, can we just, like, just generally, J.J. Abrams, can you please, I will pay you money to stop with the lens flares. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he's getting paid way more well, to whatever. actually put those in. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. What What is that? I mean, it's like, it's like his signature, it's like, anyway. Okay, so we're totally getting off topic, and we're not talking about the show or the episode that we were going to talk yeah. about. What we episode did we watch? I forget now. Fortunate Son. Oh, yeah, Fortunate Son. That's right. I for- I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, like, <laughs> battling a sinus infection here, guys. So, yeah, like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little loopy. I'm on some dope. You know, some of that good, at least you're not- some of that good, good that you get at the pharmacy. At least you're not battling Nausicans. Oh, yeah. The Nausicans make their return, or make their, I guess, would be their... Technically debut... Uh, I always think of sure. Um, oh, it's a Studio Ghibli movie, and it. Oh, Nausicaa. Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. So I yeah, yeah, I always think of that when they say Nausicans. Yeah, um, which well, is that's because you're from a different nerddom. So I Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind is one of my favorite Studio Ghibli films. Not that there is an unfavorite Studio Ghibli film. Yeah, no, honest. fair enough. Um, so, <laughs> so 
Anyway, okay, so Fortunate Son is the episode that we're talking about today. I don't know that either one of us is going to be able to successfully defend this episode, but I... I think that there's bits to defend it. Uh, then I will let you have those bits to defend okay. I cannot. I mean, this episode uh, was I think it, I think, I think what'll happen with this one is it'll it, it'll end up devolving into, from, from the, like, the normal debate we have, into the normal, like, well, okay, we agree that this had problems... <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, this is this is one of those episodes that was a real slog fest. I yeah. felt like um, yeah, I mean, it didn't and, have and to be. be. Honest, that, that was what was frustrating was that actually it the poems been good. were really good, um, but there were some issues with the series that yeah I feel like or with this particular episode that I feel like no, I'm gonna go back. To, uh, there are issues with the series that I feel yeah. like really stand out in this episode, and it's the kind of continual lack of stakes. And well, we'll get into that okay. as after we do our um, our traditional synopsis. So let's yep. go ahead and take a break and do our synopsis, and then we'll start discussing the steaks and not the one that Ryan and Travis were eating. Yeah, sounds like a plan. As we set our scene, we see Captain Keen and First Mate Ryan playing catch in a vignette that would make Norman Rockwell proud. After discussing their own athletic shortcomings and a few key maintenance issues, the ship is attacked just in time for the opening credits to roll. After we listen to that inspiring introduction music, we get to see Captain Bakula roused from his sleep by the Admiral. After pleasantries are exchanged and Archer puts on a dang shirt, the Admiral breaks the news that the Enterprise has to head back to known space in order to rescue a cargo ship. In order to brief his senior staff on their new mission, Archer brings in young Ensign Mayweather to tell us stories about growing up on a cargo ship. Though entertained by these antics, Archer, Reed, Phlox, and young Travis shuttle over to the derelict ship to check things out. They are met by Acting Captain Ryan and a few extras that are happy to add a new credit to their IMDb page. Ryan tries to get rid of the Starfleet crew by explaining that they have everything under control, but Archer just won't take no for an answer. With Phlox treating Captain Keen and engineering crews assisting the repair vessels, DePaul notices something a little off about the bioscans. Not everyone aboard is human. The Enterprise crew quickly discovers why Ryan was so reluctant to accept Archer's help. They are holding a Nausicaan prisoner. Though Ryan has little to gain from this prisoner, he is hell-bent on revenge for the dinks on his starboard side. He attacks Enterprise and pursues the Nausicaan vessel. The Fortunate follows the vessel into an asteroid belt that is hiding the Nausicaan outpost. Outmanned and outgunned, Ryan decides to take a stand against these would-be Karkirs and tries to battle three Nausicaan ships at once. It goes predictably badly for the fortunate. Archer arrives in the nick of time and convinces Ryan to release the Nausicaan prisoner and tries to convince the Nausicaans to stop bullying the cargo frigates.
Yeah. So, um, well, what do you, I have some ideas about what I want to talk about first, but, but maybe we can start with what you want to talk about first. Well, first thing I kind of want to talk about, I feel like we need to start with the broad and kind of narrow it in onto like okay. a couple of little things. Um, mostly what I thought of in, on this was kind of how they were trying to set the world of these boomers. Yeah. Uh, these, the, the, these cargo freighter kind of, uh, earth people who are just hauling stuff from one planet to the next. They never really talk about like who they're hauling it to or where they're hauling it from. Is this like intergalactic trade? It kind of doesn't matter. Are they taking stuff to colonies? Do you really want like an in-depth exploration of intergalactic trade in the new spacefaring age? I don't. I mean, Star Wars gave it to us. No, it doesn't. (laughs) No, it doesn't. Oh, that's right. We talk about the Kessel. We talk about the Kessel. Okay, we're not talking about that. Hey, we're talking about reboots in the early 90s. No, no, we're talking about sorry, Fortunate Son. Okay. okay, Fortunate Son. Yeah, no, you're right. But I feel like, yeah, they, they really did do a, there was an attempt made, and I think it was a pretty decent attempt yeah. to, like, show what it was to be on these kind of freighters and kind of, like, what type of person it, it takes to, to do these kind of, like, freight runs. I thought it was really. I thought it was just really interesting. It was a really interesting aspect of this episode. Yeah, I actually that was one of the things that I felt like they did the most successfully was give the audience an idea of what the culture was like, yeah. what it was like to be a space boomer. Um, I thought that was fascinating. I, I think I think yeah. it was a, a a pretty realistic conceptualization of what life might be like in the early days of spacefaring. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, apart from the spacefaring we've done recently. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, so I guess I think that that was probably one of the more fascinating looks at it. I like I liked the inclusion of families on the ships. I thought that was a really sort of. Yeah. It, what it does is it makes for a sensible maneuver from the early days of um, the Federation where there are no families on ships to f- families on ships. Like in, uh, in next gen. In yeah. next gen, yeah. Well, specifically the specifically the, the distinction between TOS and next gen, mm-hmm. and how there is this sort of now there's this um, historical precedent for including yeah. families on ships. Yeah. I thought that was one of the more interesting sort of. Yeah, I think what I think what it does is it kind of like, like if you if you look at uh, the roles that like say in Enterprise and in TOS the roles of the Federation ships are purely exploration and military defense in a sense. Um, And so, of course, it makes sense that there would be no families on it. But whenever you get like a cargo ship, like like in next gen, oftentimes the Enterprise is hauling something or someone from one place to another. Mm -hmm. They kind of act as cargo ship in addition to their other roles. So, of course, in next gen, there are the families on there. And I think this right here kind of shows us those two parts before they get merged together. Well, you can you can sort of conceive of a of a situation where a federation recruiter is going to a young um, you know uh, potential captain or young whomever ensign yeah. and saying, "Hey, come come to the federation." They say, "Well, no, I have a family. I can't leave my family." Yeah, no, and they say, "Well, bring them." You know, I mean, why not? And I and I think that that I think that that conceptualization, you know, I can see that of families in space, and this is 
this is a thing that we do and 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 um it's going to be and, and that's how you that's how you're able to be away for years and years at a time and it not it not be too difficult right yeah no i totally buy that like i think that's a really good way that they and i think that you know, they did a good job of setting that up here giving us yeah. the roots of that it also i mean it also has historical precedent because of course people would take families on ships um in trade between, say, the Caribbean and Europe, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. So that the the spice routes and the um, and what do they call that? Oh crap! Now I'm, now I'm forgetting my history, like the Triangle Trade or something like that. Yeah, not a nice pl- time in history, and maybe not something you want to recall if when you're thinking about a future. But the yeah. concept there is historical precedent. Yeah, captains would take their typically their wives um, on, yeah. onto the ship. Um, so this is not entirely without historical precedent, and I, I think it made sense. It made sense given the context of the of the crew and given the context of the episode, and I, yeah. I thought that was really interesting. I totally and, buy it, and I and I liked that it gave us a little bit of interesting um, background on um, Travis. Yes, uh, Travis is something I did want to discuss in this one, like. I did like his how they gave him this this interesting background. Like they've, they've always give, it's always been there from the beginning. He's a space boomer. We talked about it in one of our last episodes that we talked about here on Enterprise, and how you weren't really a fan a fan of the boomer lingo at that time. However, I think this episode really kind of dives into that a little bit more and kind of like makes you appreciate those those little nuggets that they gave us beforehand. At least me, anyway. Maybe not you. Well, he brought he brought. Um, the term boomer, or we sort of get to see where the term boomer comes from. Yeah. And that the first thing that he says, you know, to, you know, when, when discussing, when discussing the crew the compliment, group compliment, yeah, yeah of, of the fortunate is, remember, they're going to be newborn babies. Yeah. And it was one of those things where it's like, oh, well, that's where the term comes from. Yeah. Right. So you have these long voyages. There's nothing to do. Well. Well, you know, there's one thing to do, right? And so, and so, and this idea of this this whole generation of children, you know, born in space because yeah. their parents were bored on a you know cargo freighter, um, yeah, is fascinating, and I think it makes a lot of sense, and I think it kind of gives it. Space boomer doesn't just seem like a recall of a previous term. Now there is this sort of context. now there's context. It gives you it gives mm-hmm. you like the it gives you more meaning to it. And I loved his descriptions of life in space, life being on a cargo freighter. Yeah. Um, you know, just it just conceptually, I thought it was a really cool c- concept. I thought it was really, you know, it sort of, it sort of it, it made his character a lot more fun and interesting. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. that's what I liked about the episode. Yeah. And yeah. there it is. <laughs> I will say, with all that said, the the thing that bugs me about Travis's character in this episode is every time he's having a conversation with someone. It doesn't. He doesn't take the the authority of it. Like I don't know if it's an acting issue or if it's a writing issue or a combination of the two. But the way the his speeches are delivered in this, whenever he's talking about, you know, like whenever he goes, for instance, whenever he goes to talk to Archer about, you know, how Ryan is taken captive that Nausicaan. And he goes, oh, well, maybe that's just how they, that's, they, maybe this is just one of those things that they need to deal with on their own. It's like, that doesn't sound like you're being authoritarian here. You like, that, that's not, that's not how you would go about saying that. You sound like a little kid talking to your dad. 
I have to totally agree with you. In fact, one of my notes, it literally says, and it was about the, specifically about the conversation between Ryan and Travis, as uh-huh. interesting as it was, I said, the conversation is not reading the way it should. And that, that's exactly yeah. how I felt. It was one of those things where it was like the sort of familiarity that they were trying to breed about, you know, Travis's experiences aboard a cargo freighter were not reading as familiar. They were reading as... It, what it, what it really read to me as, and I don't know if this was in, maybe it was intentional. It just it just didn't come off the way they intended it to. It really to me sounded like he was trying to prove his street cred, trying oh, to yeah. prove his chops. You know, I really did live on a cargo ship, and here's how you know. And like yeah. it, it was a weird conversation because instead of reading as though these are two sort of buddies in the same thing, yeah, two like old war vets. You know, reminiscing about or, being in the army. Yeah, you know, or pioneers reminiscing about going frontier. across the p- prairie or whatever. Like yeah. it really, to me, and I and I and I think I think this is maybe part of the problem was what what I gathered from what Travis was saying was that each ship had its own culture because, of course, they're this teeny tiny tight tight yeah. knit community, and they have this sort of culture, and then. Um, and then, and then in this case, you know, there is no, um, the, he doesn't, he does not exist within the culture that he is trying to sort of inculcate or trying to sort of become yeah. a part of. He, and that to me just, it really yeah. took a lot of the wind out of his sails as far as the interest in the conversation went. Yeah. See, it, it would have been an interesting story because it is a guy who is, who was part of that, who grew up in that, that lifestyle trying to show like trying to be the bridge between the two worlds Mm -hmm. he's trying to be he's trying to act as this bridge between ryan and archer and it's just it just does not play well like you're saying he he to to both parties he's not quite able to reach them like right right that's exactly it really honestly felt to me like he was trying really hard to prove himself on both sides, and it ended up reading like wishy-washy, to say the well, least. I mean, not necessarily. Oh, it took his. Com- it, it to me, it seemed like he wasn't confident in what he was saying. Yes, I think that's exactly it. Because because it was like the if you read it, if you read the text of it, it felt like it would have it would have been. Sorry, um, Travis as. As that bridge, like showing, both sides. But because the actor who plays Travis didn't deliver it with the right authority, it it really fell very well, short. And I have to say that there was, to me, like the biggest thing that I saw in this in this episode was <clears throat> actors weren't stepping on each other's lines. I mean, in the sense that there was there were these massive pauses between each and every line, and that felt. It dragged the episode on for starters, but the other thing that it did was it took all it zapped the scenes of tension just absolutely entirely. And I it, definitely agree with that. And I and I, I feel like Travis's lack of authority in this episode totally contributed to that. To that, I mean, it was just so unauthoritative. It was so whatever. I mean, I I, I was really frustrated by that because it actually th- this is an episode that really should be Travis's episode and I felt yeah. like 
it got I, robbed. It we got, got robbed absolutely of robbed of a Travis episode. I really thought that this yeah. was a great episode for for us to explore his character. And, and honestly, I don't know if they ever go back and talk and and, and focus on Travis again. I think you get maybe one or I think we get maybe one or two more. Uh, there's like one specifically where he takes some shore leave to go onto the ship onto his parents' ship mm-hmm. yeah, for a little yeah, while, but. That. I just I don't know if they it's, yeah really the get episode into following anymore. his father's death is when he goes back and like yeah but I mean that, but the whole thing and that actually is a pretty good episode and and, and in terms of I mean you, yeah. you do get to see a lot more of the sort of cargo freighter and maybe this episode that episode yeah. I can't think of the name of I it, just but feel it like I, I think the big problem for me with with Travis is is that considering his backstory the actor they got to play him doesn't seem hardened enough. You would just oh, see, I, I actually kind of read that. I actually read that because I'm thinking about the term space boomer and I'm thinking about the way that they're using the term. And to me, he seems exactly what I, like what I would expect. His, his parents, really? ge- yes, his parents' generation is the generation that would be the hardened cargo freighter. He's, he is like the baby boomers of, of the 19... <coughs> Uh, 40s and 50s, he is the beneficiary of their hard work. I see. I disagree with that. I feel like it'd be something totally different. I mean, I think it's like it's like a kid who grew up on the Oregon Trail. No, I, I disagree. I feel like I, I that's disagree. what that is. No, I have to disagree because I think the term space boomer indicates that his family was the one that blazed the trail. And that yeah. he is the one that's benefi- benefiting from their trailblazing. See that? So, I think so, so the first... 10 runs or whatever, you know, first 25 years of space booming were, or of, of spacefaring were difficult. They had, you know, impulse only ships. They, it took them 10 years and they had to fight through See, 28 Nausicaan ships. And, I, and I now just, his family, no, I mean, like, you have to think about the term space boomer. What I, is I baby get, boomer? I get what you're saying. You're, you're, you're equating it to baby boomer, but I don't think that's the intent. I think what, I think, like, because look at the difference. The difference between how Ryan, the actor who plays Ryan, portrays that. He's essentially also a space boomer. He grew up on another ship that was attacked by Nausicans and he survived like this horrible attack. And he's got this like darkness in him that like obviously, like, yeah, it's, it's maybe Travis doesn't get quite that far. But I feel like growing up on a ship like that. Learning to pilot, like like learning to pilot on that, living off of the Nutripacks, all that, would probably make you a little rough around the edges. And I feel like Travis is just too clean cut for that. I see what you're saying, but I kind of imagine it in the same way that like some of the baby boom generation, you know, went to Vietnam, for instance. And so you do have this sort of dichotomy between the space boomers who truly benefited yeah. from their parents' successes and the space boomers who still had to blaze, continue to blaze the trail. Yeah. And so I think that maybe that's that's what we're seeing here. And, and again, going back to that same conversation between Travis and Ryan, that conversation was fascinating to me because you could sense this sort of, you know, you said rough around the edges, a sort of sharp edge to Ryan and this sort of like you know gooey gumdrop side of Travis. Yeah. There is no sharp edge to him. He think he thinks fondly of the days when they were eating neutral packs, right? Like he remembers his mom making a cake out of it. Yeah, but it's I think what it is is it's the same kind of fondness that like 
a bunch of guys in the army talk about eating MREs. You know, like yeah, they no, joke about it. I, like, but, but there's and but, it's not gooey gumdrops in the army. Well, but but there's but there's this really great. So there's this really great, and I can't remember the name of the series, but there's this really great documentary series about life following World War Two in London in the in the in Great Britain. Uh-huh. The children that were born in that time were still under rationing because rationing continued until like 1952, 1953 yeah. in Britain. So actually, there's like a hu- there was like a huge celebration on the day that rationing ended. And kids from that era remember fondly eating powdered eggs, remember fondly eating, um, you know, faux meats, and I can't remember what they were called, airsats, airsats, drinking airsats coffee and eating faux meats and this kind of thing. Because for them... It was just part of life, and there was no bad. It was they didn't think of it as bad, uh-huh. and so it's one of those things where they this generation of kids <coughs> that came up in that time period, they have a fond memory of rationing. Now, if you were to ask somebody maybe five years older than them, or maybe even ten years older than them, they would not have that same fond memory. And so there is this very stark divide historically um, between the generation that experienced rationing and the generation maybe just a little bit older than them that it remembers a time before, remembers a time after, and then remembers the sort of post-rationing era. Uh-huh. And so that, I think, I think is what you're seeing in the sort of the, the clash between Travis and Ryan, or what we should have seen but didn't because of whatever the situation yeah. was. But that's what we should have seen. And, I, and I, I was a little frustrated that we didn't get more of that sort of the different perspectives on life in space. I mean, it, yeah. it, it was considerably more, you know, Travis is happy-go-lucky and Ryan is yeah. angry because he had to eat. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just, I guess I just, I guess I just read it differently than, than you do on that one. Yeah. So. It is now time for Trek News. Okay, so I have some unpleasant Trek news. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this actually really sucks, and I'm, I'm, I don't feel good about this at all. Um, Nichelle Nichols has, uh, I guess, 
announced or her publicist, I'm, I'm sure, has announced that she actually um, has been diagnosed with dementia. So, um, oh, that's tough. My heart yeah. really goes out to her and her family. Um, I've, my, my family struggled. Um, my grandfather specifically struggled with dementia. Um, yeah. It's not easy. It's not an easy road to go down. Um, but as I'm, my father is fond of saying she got to be Nichelle Nichols her whole life. And oh, yeah. what a cool life. So um, I, my heart. Uh, I mean, she's still not gone. And there's a lot of like treatment still available. For, yeah. Yeah, definitely. For dementia. So, I mean, yeah, but it is, it is a sad news because it is the the connotation that goes with it. It yeah. is like it's the last thing you get right before the end. So it's it is a tough one to to hear about. Well, I um my heart and my thoughts and prayers go to her family and for um, sure and to her and um I really hope that um that she has nothing but peace um in her in her uh in her life from here on out. So. Well said. Um to follow that up, yeah, with, right. uh, we have some. Oof. I have some good news and some bad news on. It's not Star Trek, but it's Star Trek adjacent. Okay. Um, the good news is the Orville has announced their release date for season two. <gasps> the Yay! bad news Yay! is it's not Yay! until December thirtieth of what this year. What am I going to do? You know what so, is killing me right now? Okay. What's like, that? Game of Thrones doesn't come out until next year. <laughs> Um, I I'm literally just like stalling at this point until Game of Thrones comes out. I, I let me. Yeah, I know. There's like I'm trying to like we're watching Westworld, but like that's like it's it's a good show, but it's, it's not a, a it's show. not it's not Game of Thrones. No, it's not. And, and Game <laughs> of Thrones is the only reason HBO exists in my mind. As far as I'm concerned, yes. <laughs> and I love I love HBO. I love a lot of shows on HBO. Oh yeah, no, they've got they got great like, stand up specials. So okay, so now this is one less show that I get to watch between now and Game of Thrones returning. Exactly. And it's killing me because I really, really, really. Oh, like when will 2019 happen? 2018 feels like a filler year. I need 2019 <laughs> to happen. I need Game of Thrones to come out. Okay. Yeah. No, so I agree. okay, so I'm happy for Orville's return. I'm happy that they get their second season. Obviously, uh, I'm sad that we have to wait until December 30th. I agree. Oh I'm 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 sad too. I, I would rather it start now. Right now. <laughs> right Literally now. immediately. Drop all Drop everything episodes, you're doing. Drop all episodes on I Netflix see it. right now. I want to just them. binge watch for three days. I'll see you in three days. I agree. Um, anyways, if, same thing as for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so I guess we're moving on to drug So I have one recommendation. You kind of already spoiled it for me. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Westworld season two uh, just dropped. um, Yes, it did. A couple weeks ago. Uh, Every episode so far has been mind bending and amazing. Um, If you're a science fiction fan, I highly recommend it. If you're not a science fiction fan, I highly recommend it. Uh, It's It's pretty good. It's great. It's good Um, all around. It's good all around. This season, fair warning, is way more violent than last Super season. Super violent. Way, way. Like, uh, to a point where my, actually, my mom, who's kind of a fan of the show, she she watched it last season. She turned it on this season and had to turn it off. Um, so. Well, your I, mom also doesn't, I mean, she, she can't like get violence. blood, she can't get blood drawn at the, at the doctor. Right. So. <laughs> but I mean, but, but, but I guess my point is, is that like last season, it's even more violent than last season and last is season it? was violent. So, okay. um, that's my fair warning, uh, user warning, um, 
It's okay. a great show. That's it. Okay. Well, um, my recommendation is going to be something more technological based. Okay. Um, I just recently uh, took, the, well, for the longest time, I've been kind of an Android guy. I love Android phones. I, I used to have an iPhone, got off of that onto an Android, and I, and I went straight, you know, Google Pixel, Google, uh, the Nexus 6P, all that. They were fantastic phones. Love just the flat Android OS. But today, or not today, but like this last couple of weeks, I've been playing with the Samsung Galaxy S9. I know I'm such a dweeb, but I got to say, I'm really digging it. It's got a great I'm, form factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, I know you're mad at me because I spent so much money on it. I am a little. I know, but it's... it's Fair go- warning. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's pricey. It's pricey. It's, you know, it's not as pricey. Because it's the Galaxy and it's not the Note, it's going to be cheaper. The Notes are always way more expensive. Way but more expensive? Yeah, the notes are like the like a hundred dollars. Like no, but like a hundred like one hundred or two hundred dollars more expensive. They're, so they're the price pricey. of a small car. Like a used car, maybe. Yeah. What other cars are there? <laughs> New ones? What? Anyway, what what I was gonna talk about specifically is is and I'm I'm late to the party on this one. I've been using Google Pay for a while or Android Pay for those of you who are old school users. Um, but I've been using the Samsung Pay, and I really love this feature. It is so freaking cool because with Google Pay, you use the NFC tag in the phone, which is basically just a fancy way of saying that the place you're using it has to support it. With the Samsung Pay, what it does is it generates like a magnetic field that you can use at any place that you can swipe a card. It is so freaking cool. It is. I, act- I have it. to say, like... Watching you use it, because of course I don't have a phone that does that kind of fancy thing. I, I don't understand spending money money on something that I'm eventually going to drop. Um, <laughs> so well, to be fair, I just don't he, drop to be it. fair, <laughs> you do not drop your phone. I drop my phone. Like I, I I use it like a football. I don't know what my problem is, <laughs> but I just forget that yeah. I have it, and then I throw it at trash cans. I don't know. No, um, fair but watching you use this feature has actually been kind of amazing. And every time we go somewhere and and you use it like. The cashier or whomever is is. Like, They're like, oh yeah, we don't support that, and I was like, yes, you do. Just yeah, just, I don't I, mean to be snarky, but just run it like you're doing a credit card. <laughs> yeah, and then watching their face go, what when you do it is pretty entertaining. So yeah, it on, is. On that and and I mean, you've explained how secure it is compared to. Oh yeah, compared to compared just to carrying card. your card around. Yeah, no, it's pretty brilliant because like the thing is, is like whenever you swipe your card, your card number goes into the the system. And if you remember a few years ago, you know, Target, Home Depot, Lowe's, a bunch of companies got hacked to where like credit cards were just getting funneled to like these people that were stealing credit card numbers. Right, right. With this, what happens is it generates a fake credit card number for you. So basically the credit that's what gets transmitted to their system. Yeah. And that gets transmitted back to Samsung. So the payment gets transmitted back to Samsung and then Samsung transmits it to your bank. And there's a series of checks in there so that way if like you start getting random things to Samsung that you don't know, like that that aren't being authorized at the time at a certain time, you can be like, boom, right there, done. We're stopping it. No, yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing goes forward from here. It's it's really cool. I like I like the, that feature quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. Anywho, that's enough of my. Well, it's not enough of my nerd because now we're moving on to. Trek. 
And while the Samsung Pay is really cool for Treknology, uh, I actually have another one. Okay, what's your um, other Treknology? My Treknology is you some ones, really cool news out of Google. Um, our, our, our Google future, overlord, future our future overlords. robotic overlords. Uh, this is actually news that takes us one step closer to that. Woo! Um, welcome so, our robot overlords. <laughs> <laughs> at the last I.O. event um, for Google, they demonstrated... A new feature, a new thing that they're piloting. It's called Google Duplex, and it's a a feature where that goes along with your Google Assistant, where you say, "Hey Google, call so and so and make an appointment for something." And what it'll do is, it Google will call that person or call that company and schedule an appointment for you. Mm. And the cool thing about this is, is they've programmed it in such a way that it has been able to pass the Turing test. What? Yeah, the imitation game. Yeah. From uh, that Alan Turing came up with. It has passed that because what it does is it also stammers and stutters and it responds in real time, and like again, of course, according to whoever's on the other end of the phone. They're not going to know, you know. So is this the Turing test? Or I'm sorry, because actually there's there's a literary Turing test, and I'm not sure if this is related to Alan Turing, although I suspect. This is related to Alan Turing. This is a test he came up with called the imitation game, where basically there's an interrogator, and then there's two people on the other end that he's getting passed notes from. Okay. One is a computer, and the other one is a person. Ah, okay, okay. And so that's the, the imitation game that they did with this, and it... It passed. It passed. So there's a so this is fascinating to me because actually, um, do androids dream of electric sheep, uh, also known as the Blade Runner, um, has what they call a Turing test, and it's basically a machine, and the androids are uh, capable of it's. But but what it's testing uh-huh. is your ability to empathize and your ability to convince somebody that you're a human or not human, okay. basically. Um, can you imitate a human being is what it's asking. And yeah. they're asking androids, obviously, in, in, in do androids dream of electric sheep. And yeah. but it's, it is it's not quite, Turing test. It's not quite that advanced yet, but it yeah. is to a point where they're where they where it's past the initial Turing test and which is really cool, really interesting information to have because it it unlocks a whole lot of stuff. And you know, with the with the cool stuff that it unlocks it also unlocks some bad things too, you know, because yeah, right. Because I mean, because when you can imitate, when a machine can adequately imitate a human, that's one less job available for a human. Well, the argument, and this has always been the argument for automation, and this is maybe a whole other conversation, but the jobs that these people are, that these androids or AI or whatever is taking, are jobs that people shouldn't be doing anyway. We should be able to dedicate our time to more important things like discovery and leisure yeah. and, you know, arts and sciences. Yeah, family. Family, kind of stuff. yeah, right. Yeah. And so the argument... Gardening. And this, right, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, so the argument has always been that not that we should continue to have these crazy 40-hour work weeks, or in my case, 80-hour work weeks, um, <laughs> but we should, we should be able to... Um, you know, we should be able to pass this stuff yeah, off to I robots. Agree. And I, you know, and, and I go in and punch a button and walk out the door and double check that the button's working and double check that the robot has had its lunch and leave yeah, and yeah, come back no. home and pursue whatever it is I want to pursue. And that's, that is the Star Trek, I think. Um, yeah. You know, is, yeah. That, is that we don't need to spend hundreds of, yeah. of thousands of man hours growing vegetables. 
I've got a replicator that's going to take my doo-doo and turn it into a salad. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm like, not going to eat your doo-doo salad. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe in the Would future. that, in that case, be a tossed salad? <laughs> Uh, yeah. This episode that, went straight to pot. <laughs> yeah, right. And with that, I'd like to <laughs> sign off saying uh, thanks for listening and uh, Trek and A. Trek and A. It is so fun. He's happy all the time. He walks the dog in the rain and the shine.